0: Hello, friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places, featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. I want to say it was probably your latest trip when you went to to somewhere in, like, sub-Saharan Africa, right? Or, like, somewhere in, like, around Sahara Desert.
1: But like, honestly, for the most part, wherever I've been, I don't consider it traveling so much just because I actually live there. So it's not like, you know, just, like, Instagramming and, like, going traveling, you know? So it's like, I actually... Like, like, I don't like going s- places for like a week and that's it. If I can, like, I like being places and actually getting to know them and, you know, just immersing myself in it. But yeah, like, I've been, and I'm actually going again next week. So for my thesis project, I'm um, collecting samples from Mauritania, which is just south of Morocco. So we've got Morocco on the West Coast, um, yeah, West Sahara, and then Mauritania.
0: I think we can no. see it on the screen now.
1: A little bit. Oh my south. god,
0: that's so crazy! There's nothing there. Like yeah. Google Map, like shows you just like white space. There are like two roads in like a country that is probably the size like of half Europe.
1: I mean, it's all desert. It's all desert. Um, and then you know you've got the main road going north to south on the west, uh, like on the coast, um, which is where most people live. I'm not quite, sure. I don't think like inland, there's a lot going on. Um, and yeah, and it's also, <laughs> it's it's actually, I really enjoy it. So it's a Muslim country, it's quite conservative, obviously. Um, but the people were very friendly, and I actually quite enjoyed it, because it has, like, at least for me as a marine biologist, it's very interesting, because in West Africa, it's one of the most productive regions. So you've got an upwelling zone on the north um, that kind of produ- produces very like nutrient-rich waters. So it's a it's an immense fishing ground, like a lot of biodiversity and stuff. And they actually have the biggest marine protected area in all of West Africa. Um, oh really? So called the yes. Um, so you see that little bay in the north? It it goes like like this a little bit. It's like a little bay. That area there it's quite shallow and you've got a lot of like shark and ray species there in like combinations that are very rare and a lot of species are very rare and threatened and you know close to extinction and stuff like that so what are they let me google them all (laughs) of them no just
0: maybe like one or two just to get like a feeling for it
1: they have a species that only occurs in that area, like nowhere else in the world. And they haven't seen it in like 10 years. So that gives it a lot of importance. It's called the false shark ray, if you wanna, false, yeah. Um, yeah, this species, uh, on images, the species is endemic to that area. Like, I mean, they've only ever found, like, four specimens of this species, not more. It's super, super rare. And it's also an area where shark and ray fishing was like completely overexploited for the most part since the late 70s. So for, like, 30 years, shark and ray fishing became, like, a really big thing because people from Senegal came and, like, they realized, like, oh, okay, shark fins actually make us lot of money in the Asian market so it just became a really big thing and then um you know like shark and ray populations cannot withstand that level of exploitation because they grow really slowly they have very like few offspring it's just species are very vulnerable to fishing or to overfishing so they sort of in inside that area the marine protected area they're not allowing shark and ray fishing anymore except for the local, like the tribesmen, it's like local fishermen, tribesmen, the Imragan. And um, they're not, they're supposed to only fish for substance, uh, substance. The Im- Imragan, not with an M. Im, it's I-M-R-G-U-U-G, no, A-R-A, A.
0: I-R?
1: No, no, I M R A. G. U. E. M. N. 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 from, yes, yeah, that's it. So they're allowed to fish just for substance. Yeah, and uh, so basically, what's happening though is because a lot of these fishermen, they're they're like they're dead poor, no? like it's it's a very poor. Um, yeah, just villages and stuff like that. So um, they've developed like a lot of illegal trade, um, which is normal, you know, because you know where there's money and there's the main. Mm, tradesmen are not from Mauritania, they come in from like Ghana, from Mali, from Gambia, and all of that, and they own the boats, so basically they have them a little bit in their hands, no, so there's a lot of illegal fishing going on, and a lot of these species are um, very close to extinction, or quite threatened, and it's still continuing, so.
0: (laughs) So, can you tell me what... Do they need that? Because you said that there has been like a huge overfishing of shark and ray. Ooh, yes. And that they are quite, their fins are really precious in the in the Asian market. Is that what you said? Why is that?
1: Um, because for Asians, uh, well, Asians, the Chinese mostly, uh, they consider it as a sort of status symbol. So they eat something called well, shark fin soup. Um, so basically they use just the fins of the shark um, because of the cartilage inside and they use it to cook the soup but the thing is is that the the shark fin really doesn't have any taste at all so they only use it to give it like a sort of thickness in itself it's senseless like it's, it's very unnecessary um, but it's a sort of status symbol there is something that they serve for like the upper like the medium upper class you know uh, for weddings and for every special occasion really and since it's a country that's slowly like growing out of poverty you know um there's been a increasing like skyrocketing, skyrocketing demand for this And um, so basically all fins most of the fins that are caught worldwide are sent to hong kong and to china mainland china you know so um but it's it's Like for the longest time when it started developing in the 70s and 80s, what they would do is they would literally just catch sharks, cut off the fins and throw the sharks back in the water so that they would suffocate. Like it's a very cruel practice. Uh, And then, you know, over time, there was a documentary that became very famous and that sort of like, you know, depicted all that illegal trade and like all that mess going on. So a lot of countries started banning shark finning. So just cutting off the fins. But they still allow, like, catching the sharks. The thing is that at the moment, globally, um, we're catching about 100 million sharks a year. And that is a number that is completely unsustainable, you know. And especially for, for species that grow so slowly. Like, you know, if it's other species that can recover fast, but most shark species cannot recover at all in, like, decades if you don't leave them alone. So it's, um, it's a difficult thing
0: okay so because Chinese are generally speaking pretty famous for eating like a lot of like weird things that they think are gonna like bring them luck usually and so for some reason like it usually is like an endangered species so it's pretty you know it's pretty pretty unfortunate I would say (laughs)
1: it's an endangered species for a reason like you know if if we're all like if fishing was sustainable if Hunting was sustainable, but uh, not at the rate that it's being done. So there, I mean, it's not just the Chinese though, because um, if you look at the numbers, like Europe consumes a hell of a lot of shark meat. They just really
0: don't,
1: a lot of people like you know in the UK fish and chips actually yeah. mostly is cooked with shark meat. It's just that it's not sold as such.
0: Oh my you god, know? that's so so it's so it's probably like a blend of different types
1: of fish right exactly but like since it's not specified it's the same thing as with many many dishes around the world that just like have a name that people don't know what it is and it's a lot of times it's shark you know and um so yeah it's just one of those things that needs more consumer awareness but you know it's just something that you need to raise awareness of so that people can actively avoid it
0: why has shark meat become so prevalent? Is it like easily accessible? Is it cheap? Is it easy to fish? Is there a lot of it?
1: It's very cheap just because like for example what's happening in Mauritania you now so it's like becoming like a commercial like trading hub and I mean I guess if it wasn't for the fins for the value of fins sharks probably wouldn't wouldn't be caught this much but since now they have to catch the whole shark well you're not going to be wasting the body you know so basically they catch them for the finch, the fins, which brings the money the rest of the meat it doesn't have a lot of value but it still consumed. so it's sold for very cheap cheaper mostly than a lot of other fish you know oh
0: my uh, god so okay so the way that that kind of like economic model works is that like they need to catch the shark because they want the fins fins are expensive so once they get the fish the fins the, the the rest of the meat on the shark is pretty much like like it's already there and it's like doesn't have a lot of value so it's like it's quite easy to just like pass it on quite cheaply and like make something with it is that, is yeah, that-
1: exactly mm,
0: i see so what what are what is going on to like protect sharks in like Mauritania or like more generally is there anything going on
1: very it's just it's very different from region to region you know um in Mauritania mostly not so much because you've got the fisheries going on within the marine protected area, which is supposedly just in Ragan but you just know that you know there's a lot of a lot of things going on that shouldn't. Um, so you know they everything they catch as bycatch, so as accidental catch, they still keep and then they sell, which they shouldn't. Um, but like you know they tried. To implement a ban on shark and ray fishing, it's just not working all that well. Like, I mean, I guess it's helped, but it just needs it needs more effort. And um, then outside the marine protected area is is like a zone where everybody's fishing. So Mauritania is a country where a lot of European fleets are fishing, a lot of Asian fleets are fishing, the Turkish, everyone, you know. Especially Spain because Spain is number two in shark fishing in the world. So um, you know so everybody. Number one. Uh, it's usually Indonesia, I think. Um, so yeah. So there's. I know that some species have like a catch limit. Some of the deep sea species, but you know the whole thing. It's just that even though there might be here and there, there might be some regu- regulations in the end it's hard to control because one maybe they're not identifying the sharks correctly two maybe they're not reporting all their catch three maybe when they land the catch it's not properly sorted and um, you know noted or like things can always escape like it's it's not a super tight process you know what i mean
0: so and, and so cuz i'm not sure if i understand correctly so Shark fin, like let's say you have like a shark fin on you. Is that illegal to have shark fins with you, on you? Okay, so I, I get how they kind of like fish them off the coast of Mauritania. What happens with it then? How does it get to Asia if like it's, you know, shark fins are illegal to, to own?
1: depends on who's fishing, but like the local fishing basically goes through, through a trading hub. So the sharks have landed, then they're being brought to a processing site uh, which is where I'm going to go to get my samples. Uh, at this processing site, they're being dried and salted, um, you know, just to um, so that it doesn't go bad. Um, at at this stage, all the fins are already being cut off. So when you get there, um, I mean, I can try and show you some pictures if you want.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Okay, wait. Right. Um,
0: let's see. I think you should have sharing options on
1: on the yeah, yeah. opening so okay so basically let me see Share screen i oh, know i you disabled me from screen.
0: oh oh sorry i thought i um
1: <laughs> That's okay. i
0: thought i didn't oh yeah it has all participants okay
1: oh yeah um, I can.
0: do you want to okay. try now
1: yeah all right so um, can you see yep so basically all of this is a processing site. You see all of these are sharks, it's just barely recognizable and all the fins have been cut off. So, you know, they barely even look like sharks anymore. On the left, you see that those are rays. And these are all shark fins that are drying on these tables. Mm. This, for example, these are guitar fish. That's an endangered species.
0: Okay, Which one is it? Which, which, which photo number?
1: what do you mean for number this one oh. here
0: oh the yeah w- number one
1: no number
0: four what oh because on my screen it just shows like the whole catalog it doesn't like zoom on it if you Oh,
1: know. it didn't okay um not? <laughs> yeah
0: i think it might be just like there for some reason it, it doesn't like work on the zoom but it's i can like
1: wait. they're not no okay mm, <laughs> wait then maybe i can that's weird
0: I know. Extra large icon. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> nice solution, Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see pretty well now.
1: Yeah, so basically um, here on number four, th- this is an endangered species. You see here number
0: three.
1: Still mm-hmm. um, nothing now if I open it.
0: No, no, but like it looks like there's a lot of it. It looks like yeah.
1: There's There's a shit ton. Oh my so. god. It's huge. It's really huge. And like they've got a huge turnover rate because the sharks and rays that are brought there, they spend about, I think they said about a week there. So the whole process of drying and salting and everything takes about a week. And then they're being shipped off. So you see, let's see, I have a picture here, for example. So they pack them. They pack them, exactly, and then they ship them. So the people that work here are not Mauritanians. They're from Senegal, from Ghana, from Mali, and everything. Those are the traders. They buy these products, and then they sell them to Hong Kong or to China. And then, you know, you get this quantity, like, every week. And depends on the season. It's going to be more or less, but it's crazy. So, yeah.
0: Wait, so... So I, I get it that you get a bunch of um, of traders from Senegal. So they they take those, you know, uh, bags of this shark and shark fin and they take it back to Senegal or what do they do with it?
1: Well, like, I mean, the Senegalese and the Ghanaians and stuff like that, they will eat, like, they will sell the meat. Like, the meat is traded regionally um, or at like, Within Africa, basically. The Finns they buy, but then they sell them to Asia. You Mm. know?
0: Okay. I understand. Ah, right. Fair. That's that's pretty that's pretty, you know, scary thing. So like if, if things stay on course like they are right now, is there like a risk of complete depletion of what is, you know, in the ocean?
1: Absolutely. And I mean Mm, it just depends on the region, because some regions of the world are way more fished. Like the Mediterranean has lost about 50% um, of their species, you know, you might still find them in other places. But so the risk is just that sharks and rays as top predators have a very important role in the ecosystem. And if you're depleting them, then it affects everything underneath as well. In what um, way? And the, mm? In what way? And the way that it will just unbalance the whole ecosystem. So if you've got your trophic chain, you know, like, um, like sharks will prey on um, fish, fish will prey on crustaceans or whatever, you know, it just goes like this. So if you don't have the top predator that is checking or keeping the populations underneath controlled, because it's a control, you know, otherwise they will just expand and then Let's say that nobody's eating the the fish. Just I'm just simplifying, okay? Yeah. But like nobody eating the fish, then suddenly there will be an explosion in the population of fish. They will eat I don't know all the all the crabs, for example, and then there will be no more crabs. That means that the crabs cannot eat the algae, and then there will be an explosion of algae.
0: Got it. Yes. You know,
1: it is, it's unbalancing the whole ecosystem, which will unbalance you know, that region a lot and it has consequences and it's already been seen in certain places, you know. Uh, so for example, just for example, in um, in the Galápagos, for example, there's a lot of tiger sharks. They mm-hmm. come in um, to, because they're mostly attracted because the green turtles are coming to nest and tiger sharks eat green turtles and green turtles eat seagrass. So basically, there's, it's been proven that whenever tiger sharks are near, then the turtles are not in the seagrass bed, they leave, no? Now, if we're overfishing the tiger sharks, and tiger sharks are not there anymore, that means the turtles are at ease, they can stay there all day long and munch on their seagrass, but if they do that, then we're killing the seagrass, and the seagrass is important because it stores carbon, and it has an important, like, refugee um, function and a lot of different things that seagrass does, you know? So you gotta have in mind that everything in the ocean is there for a reason, like everything keeps each other in check. And what we're doing is we're like very much tipping the scales, you know? Got it. Especially with species that take a really, really long time to recover. So the danger of overfishing
0: and before we kind of like maybe move on to talking about like the culture of Mauritania and what you've seen there but for the sharks which i understand was like your main concern there what what is what is the reason for the sharks to you know that their reproductive cycle is so like lengthy well
1: because um so in biology you've got two strategies okay um you've got k strategists and r strategists so basically It depends on the species for whatever reason they have developed a certain strategy for survival so like smaller fish for example do our strategy which means produce millions of eggs but put no effort like into parenting or whatever you know and so basically they produce a lot of offspring and of those a certain percentage will survive Um, but there's no protection for these offspring in the meantime, sharks have produced a K strategy, which means they have really long gestation periods, like us. Like some sharks will be pregnant between six and eighteen months. Oof. You know, depends on the species. Exactly. They will carry very few offspring, but they're putting more effort into these offspring. You know, it's not like releasing thousands, millions of eggs, and then like some of them will survive, but they're actually producing maybe between depend on the species, between one and maybe 40. You know, it, it's very, very, like from species to species, but it's very few offspring. So it's important that, you know, they actually put effort into growing these offspring so that they're prepared for after, you know. So um, it's just different strategies of life. It's like the same, like humans have a case strategy as well, you know, mm-hmm. put a lot of energy into growing very few offspring um, to optimize chances of survival.
0: Got it. Wow, that's that's super informative, Carolina. I had no clue, like obviously I had no knowledge about that. That's that's so amazing what you just told me. So, talking mm-hmm. about like how long did you spend in Mauritania? It was quite long, right? Like around 2 weeks. Uh, or two.
1: uh just two I spent 2 weeks and now I'm going to spend another two. So,
0: another where two where exactly did you go?
1: Um, so we arrived in Ouachert, which is the capital. And then we drove all the way north uh, to Nuadibu, which is like the northernmost northernmost city Um, there. It's basically almost uh, bordering with West Sahara, uh, which is where the main processing site is. And then we went down to different fishing villages called Iwik, uh, Tisho, Mamgar, and stuff like that. So spend a lot of time with the locals, it was really fun. Uh, Very nice people, they drink so much tea.
0: Really? I love it. What what kind of what what's their like brew? Is it like black tea, green tea? What do they drink?
1: Black mint with mint. Always with mint and very sugary but they have a very specific like uh, way they prepare it because they, they carry their little tea kit with them and they have three little glasses, like actual glasses and then the way they prepare their tea is well first they boil it with the mint and everything and then they have to like pass it from one glass to the other because they're trying to foam it they're trying to like create like a foam layer and like literally you're just drinking like two sips of tea but like they will spend 10 minutes just like doing like this so that mm-hmm. it'll create like, a, a foam layer it's just for aesthetics really uh, Wait, I, I
0: want to see it like the tea with foam like I never heard about anything like this
1: how you would call it but it's funny because like each person needs to drink three glasses that's that's how it goes so it's three times a day. And each time, three glasses, and then you're done. You
0: know. Oh yeah, so it's like traditional North African tea, like with mint. It's like it's a thing.
1: The mint, yeah, but I'd never seen like the whole process. As in, like, you know, you have to drink three glasses each person, and you do that three times a day, morning, you know, after lunch, after dinner, and all of that. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy.
0: It. Yeah, in Mauritania, tea imported from China is the national drink. It is drunk with froth on top, and in three stages, according to tradition, where each glass is filled to a third of its volume. So it's exactly what you said. That is so incredible.
1: Yeah. It's, wow. uh, yeah, I, I, I really like that because literally we would be driving because we drove for so many hours. Like it's just so long, you know. And then our driver would just pull out into the desert, and we're like, "Okay, what now?" And then just sit down and take out his tea kit. It's like it's tea time. We're like, okay. <laughs> so, what that is, was a lot of
0: fun. What, what is the language they speak there? Is it French?
1: Well, they speak Arabic, but they yeah they speak French. So oh. I would speak French with them.
0: Is is it um, is each tribe has or is it, is there like a lot of tribes or is there like one kind of like people of M- M- Mauritania? What is going on there? Well, like,
1: there's, there's a, a lot of different tribes. Like also because like the whole color blend was very different. Because you get you get like typical sub-Saharan like black, but you also get like Arab-looking and more white. Like it's 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 a big blend. Um, I I don't know enough about you know that kind of history to know what happened historically in Mauritania or whatever. Um. So they have like you know desert tribes and then you've got your different village tribes and they're all that. so um yeah
0: what's the standard of living there
1: i mean from what i've seen not great you know um but they don't seem unhappy with it but like the only thing that really bothered me is but I assume it's it's a general problem that whole region is a huge amount of pollution like plastic pollution huge amounts. it's bad but they don't have any um you know recycling facilities or so even places where to really go with their garbage so yeah
0: is that in the ocean or in the in you know in
1: everywhere no like especially at the coast but on land like it's it's sad really because um I mean the country I really liked it I think that whole desert landscape is beautiful I think they could very much market it and it's very it's a very friendly country from what I saw as well and I I quite enjoyed it it's just that you know but I I encountered the same thing in Morocco like where there's just plastic everywhere Mm. I mean not something that's just there you know like seen it everywhere else as well but uh, it really struck me just because it stands out more because there's nothing else you know because it's just desert so it it just really stands out but yeah
0: but is it like they import it to like store it for someone and they like they get paid or they just produce it and nobody collects it
1: i assume they import it
0: oh oh so they are just like they 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 perform a role of like trash Kind of storage providers
1: I mean most countries import most of their stuff I mean I assume over there a lot of things would be imported but you know it's the same problem that I've encountered on a lot of like island nations because there they import everything but they don't really know where to go for that like the Maldives literally the Maldives has a huge problem because this whole tourism explosion is fairly recent and they have a crazy amount of plastic water bottles, you know, that um, they consume every single day. And they don't have any, I mean, they have now a tiny, um, I think plastic bottle recycling facility, but you know, not nearly enough to really process everything they have and everything else. So they literally created a fake island, Um as, as a landfill sort of so they have this one island where everybody just takes their trash and dumps it there and then forgets about it pretty much. but
0: so you like jump on the boat with your trash from your home you like go to the island you like tr- throw the trash you go back
1: no what do you mean like they have their own trash like you you go on vacation to the maldives yeah you drink your water bottles and you like like all of that is not where do you think it's going to go like you know So wow. and, and the thing is yeah like for example I think from what I know is in the Maldives for example they had a policy up until I want to say like 30 years ago or something when there was still very little tourism uh, all tourists that would come the policy was take the tr- like whatever trash you produce you take back with you to your home country you know but obviously that's not sustainable anymore because now it's you know luxury vacation luxury tourism in huge quantities there's over 120 30 40 resorts or something like that so you know where to go with all that trash wow yeah
0: that's amazing well i guess this is like we we only you know skid on the surface basically of like your your experiences Maldives is probably like another thing we could talk on for like an hour um as considering like your knowledge and like your experiences so we probably like should leave it for like another time because it's all it's almost been an hour and i'm like
1: and really conscious
0: conscious of your time that it's sunday so maybe we should like stop here but i wanted to like really thank you because i learned so much from 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 this conversation um Less
1: about, about traveling than about Schaipner. I
0: turned this one around nicely no you it, it was so so interesting honestly like because you know the, the point of the podcast isn't to make it like a travel podcast the point of the podcast is like for me to learn and you know um, and like I learned so much from this um, yeah. and it's like you know thanks to you so like many many thanks and uh-huh. thank you for you know finding time to come on sun- Sunday and you know Share share okay, some of your PhD knowledge. Say again. Nice
1: to see you again. It's yeah,
0: exactly. Fun. I know. I miss you too. I miss everyone. I miss actually everyone in in the in farm. Nice. Yeah. How is everyone doing, by the way?
1: I think everybody is fine. We just haven't seen each other in a while. Um, but I mean Bernat now, for example, lives here on the beach now too. Really? Yeah. He moved here, and um,
0: good for him. Yeah,
1: we're just doing the best we can. I mean, we live on the beach, so honestly, life is never too bad, and the weather is getting really nice. Um, so yeah, it's I like it's it's getting warmer. It's been a pretty cold winter, but it's getting warmer now, so it's
0: nice.
1: Very mm. excited.
0: And do you? When are you like finishing your PhD? Are you going to be in Faro for like long, or what's yeah. going on?
1: first need to start my PhD oh you haven't (laughs)
0: even started yet
1: (laughs) um I I assume September somewhere around September yeah let's see it's a lot of work still ahead of me a lot of lab work
0: yeah
1: Uh, I'm having fun
0: no I love I love that for you I'm actually gonna pause the recording so bye to everyone who's ever gonna listen to it